Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Nazir, daf bet. We are beginning a new Masachet. We are on the first page, which, as you all know, begins on page two. I'm going to just mention a few things about Masachet Nazir because, you know, we're in this seder of the order of the Mishnah that's called Nashim, women, and we had enough to talk about with Nadir, women throughout Nadarim, that it's still a little bit surprising that the tractate that is called Nazir, that is about this personality, and we'll talk uh, you know, at much greater length over who is a Nazir, would appear in Seder, in Seder Nashim. So, the, the, and the point is, right, that it's not really exactly directly connected to women, except for the fact that the person who is a Nazirite, the person who who signs on to become a Nazirite, and there's a few different kinds, and we'll talk about those also, is found in the Torah, in Sefer Bamidbar, in the Book of Numbers, chapter 6, right next to a passage that talks about the woman who is thought to be unfaithful. She's witnessed to be in a seclusion with a man, and then the question is, was she really unfaithful, or was it just suspicious looking? And that woman is called a Sota woman, and the next Masachat that we have, of course, is Sota, right after Nazir. The, they are juxtaposed in the Mishnah and in the Gemara, the same way they are juxtaposed in the Chumash. And what that means is, right, the Torah puts these next to each other, so we're going to see Nazir, the whole Masachet, in the context of women, even though a good portion of what we're going to discuss is not about women. The other thing is, of course, that a lot about what we're going to talk about with the Nazir is the Nazarite vow. We already began here and there to mention the vow of the Naz- Nazarite, the Nazir, in Masachet um, Nadarim. And so it shouldn't surprise anybody that it's going to show up here because in the context of vows, well, it makes sense that we'd be, have Nadarim next to Nazir. Um, the term Nazir specifically means one who is abstaining. And the abstentions, the abstentions that we talk about uh, or that are most famous is the abstention from cutting hair. And that includes you know, shaving facial hair and that. Um, it includes abstaining from drinking wine or grape juice or eating grapes or having any kind of derivative from grapes and the abstention from coming in contact with the dead body. The idea is that somebody who is a Nazir is restricting themselves from, the, from that which the Torah does permit, but in a way that is supposed to be like a, an additional level of asceticism Right by prohibiting that which the Torah pro- permits, presumably to raise one's um, spiritual status or commitment to God, to demonstrate where they're where they're standing. And there are certain famous nizirim in in history. Right, probably the most famous, probably the most famous of all is Shimshon. Right, Samson, who was dedicated as a nazir from before his birth, his mother did so. Shmuel. The prophet Samuel was dedicated as an azir. And now and again, we find people who are um, committed to being an azir really for their entirety of their lives. The, the real issue is that the standard nazir is a 30-day vow. But the way you get out of it requires a Beit HaMikdash. It requires the temple and certain sacrifices. And in the absence of a temple and, and the ability to bring those sacrifices, well, then you're stuck being an azir. So don't take this vow. Right. Um, there's a there are again, as I say, there's now and again, you do encounter somebody who's a Nazir and they don't cut their hair and they don't they they hold to all of these restrictions. 
because they can't um, they can't really ever end the period of the Nizirut of the Nazarite ship because there's no temple with which to close it off. Um, okay. The rest of what we're going to talk about will obviously unfold as we go. I want to just focus a little bit on Parak Aleph, the first chapter that we have here, which again, it's based or the, the topics that we have here are all coming off of Sefer Bamidbar, the book of Numbers, where the verse says, chapter 6, verse 2, speak to the B'nai Israel, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman will utter a vow, will clearly utter a vow, the vow of the Nazarite, to consecrate himself, or again, or herself, but it says to consecrate himself to the Lord, meaning the idea is that there is a sanctity in this vow. And to take for for it to take effect, and this is what we're going to talk about in Paragaleph, you have to actually say so. There has to be clear, you know, wording that somebody is taking on this period of Nizirut for this purpose of being of consecrating oneself. Um, and um, okay, I think with that, as I said, there's certain terms that we're gonna like encounter and become very, very familiar with as we go, including the standard that it should be 30, 30 days and so on. But I think maybe we'll move without further ado. Your Dane, I'm going to turn it over to you for the Mishnah and some of the Gemara. Yeah, just want to add two other things. If you do the Nazir Shimshon, the only exception to it is, is that you actually can, can you can become tummy through a dead body. But we're going to learn that pretty quickly within the first parak. It's going to talk about that. So that's like a little bit um, different. And the other thing to keep in mind about the head shaving is, is that, you know, there's uh, men are prohibited from shaving the corners of their of their hair, right? That's the whole idea of where we get payout from. So the idea of the Nazir shaving his head is that that command, which is a positive command to shave your head at the end of that cycle, uh, overrides the uh, negative commandment uh, to keep those, you know, to keep those payout there. So that's like something that's just a little bit interesting uh, about Nazir itself. So we'll, we'll, we'll be talking more about this as we go through. Uh, the, the first mission of those starts in sort of an odd place, but it makes sense in the sense of that it's right following right after Nadarim, because remember, we talked a lot about in the beginning of Masach Nadarim about Nazir, because it is a type of Nadar. And so we begin sort of the same way that we be began Masach Nizarim about the Kiyunim, right? Declarations of Nizirut. Kol Kiyunei Nizirut ke Nizirut. All equivalent terms for Nizirut are effective for Nizirut, right? And after they say that, right, now the mission is going to talk to us about sort of these partial declarations. And the Gemara is actually going to spend a lot of time talking about why does it start that way? Ha-Omer Ahad, somebody says, I shall be, Right? Just says, I shall be, right? Obviously, the Gemara is going to talk about, well, how could that be? If you just say, I shall be, maybe what you're trying to say is, I shall be fasting, right? Like you're saying something else. And so they basically quote the Zipton Shmuel that it has to be that a Nazir is standing in front of you or passing by you. So it was clear that's what you were referencing, right? Or, uh, oh, somebody says, I shall be handsome, because in other words, you're going to grow your hair long the way Nazir does. Nazir, that person is a Nazir. And again, the Gemara discussed, oh, it has to be that they're in front of a Nazir in order to make that make sense. Um, and then it goes to uh, some other statements, right? Nazik, Nazik, 
pazik. If somebody says I'll be a nazik, a naziach, or a paziach, hareza nazir, right? So in all these cases, they're sort of these are like equivalent terms that the Mishnah had started with, um, right? And this, or if he says hareni kazeh, he says I'm like this, hareni misalsel, I'll be a misalsel, hareni mechalkel, I'm a mechalkel. So again, the Gemara is going to explain why these specific terms mean nizirut. Right? It's upon me to grow to grow my hair wild or tresses. That is an azir. And again, the Gemara will explain why this is true of all these phrases. If somebody says, um, I, it's upon me, birds. Rabbi Meir or Meir Nazir. Rabbi Meir says he's a nazir. And the Chacham say he's not a nazir. And again, the Gemara will explain in more detail what exactly it is about this term. So we we start off in a very odd way, but again, I think it makes sense when we, you know, think of it as being next to Masachat uh, Nidarim. And then the Gemara in its own way wants to ask about the order of Nidar, of Nazir in Mas, in Seder Nashim, right? So it says, right? Let us see, Tana B'Seder Nashim Kai, right? The Tana's sort of point of reference in the Seder Nashim my Tamatani Nazir. Why does he treat Nazir? It has nothing to do with women. Tan Akrakai. So in other words, I would think, okay, sorry, before I keep reading. All right, we talked about Nadarim. We know why Nadarim needed to be in Nashim because of that whole category of Nadarim that a husband or a father could revoke. Um, so, okay, so while we're on the topic of Nadarim, we'll talk about Nazir. The Gemara gives a completely different answer and says, Tana Akrakai. What's the Tana's, you know, what's what, what, you know, he's mentioning his point of reference here is a particular pasuk. So this is quoting pasuk in Devarim chapter 24, verse 1. The whole pasuk says, So this is basically. Um, the uh, uh, the pasuk that talks about how we get divorced, right? That we have to give the safer kritut. But it basically says a man takes a wife, he's with her, and then he finds out that she sort of didn't find a favor with him because she committed adultery. So then he's allowed to divorce her. But the point of the pasuk is that adultery is basically a significant cause of divorce. So what the Tana is teaching us by putting Nazir in Nashim what caused her to commit the sin of adultery? Yayin, her drinking wine. The Ka'amar, and therefore by teaching, putting Nazir here, what is the Tana teaching us? Anyone sees an adulteress in her disgrace. Remember, we're going to get to Sota also, right? Sota is the suspected adulterous wife, right? Anyone who saw that, right? Should restrain himself as a Nazir from drinking wine. So I, I don't know. It's it's sort of a uh, you know, so it's basically saying Nazirut is a reaction or sort of a, an obligation someone should take upon themselves if they're exposed to seeing adultery. Now, I don't know. I think I came up with a much easier explanation, right? Nazir is, is a nut as a nadir. We were just talking about Nadarim, so we'll insert this tract this masachet here that also deals with Nadarim. But that's really not where the Gemara goes with this which is kind of, you know, which is interesting to me. I want to make another observation, which is that 
you know, we have talked about Nidarim and the, the taking of Nidarim being the kind of thing that's maybe a little bit, I don't know, uh, we noted some ambivalence amongst Chazal about Nidarim. And we talked about Yevamot and there's some, you know, perhaps some, there's some ambivalence amongst Chazal about Yibum. Nizirut, I think it's clear, like it's obvious and part and parcel of what it is to take on Nizirut. Um that it is a less than ideal situation. Now, it's tricky to call it a less than ideal situation when somebody kind of comes forward to consecrate themselves to try to be like, to be holier and to make themselves better and to reform themselves in the wake of, as you say, you know, there's this concern about that they've seen adultery, whatever. But it's still like the the ambivalence here, I think, is stronger. And even just from the first day, and well, I think we'll see it, you know, kind of deepen as we go. Yes, right. So, uh, right. So we're going to see that ambivalence again. We saw it before in um, Nidarm, where we had that whole story with Shimon Hatzadik, right? Who remember he said he wouldn't eat the chatat of, uh, you know, of a um, of a nazir, except for that one nazir who cut his hair because he sort of had this intense moment of vanity. But this is going to be a theme that we will see. Um, just to give, you know, the rest of the daf sort of questions how what. Is what it is, right? Where it says called Kinue Nizirut Kinizirut, but then it skips to this thing about, uh, you know, uh, about partial declarations, and then it goes back to the Kiyunim, and they try to bring other Mishnas that maybe teach following a similar formula. They can't really find one, so then they want to explain why they basically come to the conclusion that mi- Mishnas don't necessarily follow a particular formula, but each Mishnah. Uh, you know, will sort of have a particular reason uh, for why it would be taught that way. Um, so that, you know, that's sort of the, the big chunk of what the rest of the DAF is going to talk about here. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this DAF and our new Masechet. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.